0: to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, as always. And I'll tell you something, it was one of those Mondays. It was a good Monday because we actually have some data to talk about, not just opinion pieces, which I do like discussing. But usually on Monday, data is... Um, well, scarce. And that was not the case yesterday. We actually got some good reports. In fact, one of my favorite reports for the month because it's looking at, I think, a much more accurate count of what is happening with mortgage demand, and that is the Rate Lock Report from Black Knight, or I should say the official title of the report is the Black Knight Originations Market Monitor Report, and it looks at rate lock volume this for the month of February, and I have to say, I was a little surprised, not because it dropped, I expected it to drop, but it didn't drop as much as I would have expected uh so overall rate lock volume in february month over month so january to february was down 5.4 percent now that number kind of surprised me because february is really when we saw rates kind of skyrocket they've been climbing now for over a year we know that but they really went kind of parabolic in february at least the ending of february and i thought that alone would be enough to cause the month-over-month decline to hit double digits, but it didn't, 5.4%. Now, the year-over-year looked a little bit more what I would have thought. Uh, Year-over-year, rate-lock volume was down 34.5%. But here's what's interesting. So going back to the predictions that we saw for 2022, and a lot of them, probably will end up not being true. That's the way predictions work. But one of the arguments was refis were gonna fall away. Purchases though, were actually gonna increase. And that's what we saw in the month of February. So refis were down bigly, (laughs) they were down big time. Rate term refis dropped just month over month, 34.1%. Year over year, 83.3%. 83.3%. So clearly, rising rates are impacting rate term refinancing. But they're also impacting cash outs. Cash outs were down month over month. 15% We're down smaller, though, year over year, only down 6.3%. Now, I like that number. I like when you see cash out refis fall because rates are rising. Because it tells you that people aren't rushing to do cash out refis because it's their only option. They are taking rate into account. If people had to do cash outs, like it was they need that money, there's nowhere else they can find money, they have to do a cash out regardless of rate, that's not where we wanna be. That's what we saw in 2007, 2008. So we don't wanna see that and we're not. To see a big jump or drop like that because of rates shows me at least that people aren't desperate for that cash out money. So to me, that is a good sign. And speaking of good sign, purchases. We all know there's a lot of demand out there for homes, but can people find those homes to buy? We know inventory levels are at historic lows. Well, they're finding something to buy because purchases were up 7.2% month over month, year over year up 5.6%. But that month over month number is just astounding when you see what's happened with rates. I mean the fact that I think it was the end of February when we saw that magical 4% number start reaching and and becoming part of the lexicon and all of a sudden everyone's talking about 4% rates and we still saw purchases up 7.2%. That just shows you how much demand there is out there for homes. Now the other big I think metric that's important to look at, credit scores. If you, you know, everyone says, oh, is this 2008 all over again? Well, we're seeing cash out refis drop, so no. But what's going on with credit scores? Are we getting back to the era of subprime? And yes, credit, no, no, we're not going back to the era of subprime. But yes, credit scores did fall a little bit but nowhere near the subprime era of 2007 and eight. Cash outs saw the biggest drop with a five point drop from January to 718. That is actually down 24 points. From the same time last year, rate term refis were down a much smaller amount, only down four points to 729, that is 16 points down year over year. And then purchases, once again, standing alone with regards to data, their credit scores actually rose one point in January to 734, while year over year average scores were un- changed. So once again, purchases are kind of the uh, light at the end of this tunnel type situation. They're the only, I should say, silver lining in some of this report that would be looked at as being a bad thing for the mortgage industry. It's not that bad when you actually look at the data. And in case you're wondering, purchases now make up 65 percent of mortgage activity in February of 2022. And it should also be noted that mortgage rates ended February, according to Black Knight, topping 4% for the first time in two years. They were at 4.09%, which was up 32 bips in just one month. And so once again, just that purchase number to see rates jump 30 basis points in a month and you're still seeing purchases climb month over month is impressive. Uh, As I said, up 32 bips in just one month, now up 87 basis points from the same time last year. And so my takeaway from all of this, as I mentioned, I definitely expected mortgage demand to fall, but it actually didn't fall as much as I expected. I mentioned earlier the 4% rate a year ago Economists were projecting that if rates got to four percent, they would decimate the housing market. I mean, no one would be refining. no one would be buying. Everyone would be so terrified of seeing that four percent rate, it would just collapse demand in the housing sector. Not even close. <laughs> Not even. Now you're hearing, I think maybe five percent. Some people are saying five, and even now they're pushing that number up as rates continue to rise with no sign of demand. Now as rates inch closer to five percent with elevated home prices this unfortunately is going to price more and more people out of the housing market however the wild card continues to be the rental market if rents keep rising even with home purchases at five percent with even higher prices it still might make more financial sense for people to buy than to rent And this is especially true for buyers who may be moving from the highest cost markets to more medium cost markets, thanks to this remote work economy that we currently are a part of. So people who are leaving say, California is probably the best example. And they're like, okay, sure, I'm gonna have to pay a 5% mortgage, but I'm leaving with a ton of money because of how much equity I had in my home in California. So I'm okay with paying more for this house in wherever, Oregon maybe, or Florida, or wherever these states, North Carolina, that are seeing the big inflows where people are moving. And so they're saying, you know what? I don't mind if rates are 5%. I can put a lot of money down. I have the money to be able to do this. And even with that elevated rate and elevated prices, homes are still a half of what they were in California price-wise. And so that's also something that I think needs to be taken into account. And something that I I would argue some economists maybe didn't think about. They thought kind of all things being equal, uh uh-oh, home prices have gone up, so people in that market aren't going to buy. Sure, maybe they won't. Maybe they won't upgrade, but people from a different market moving in is what is causing a lot of this buying pressure. So a lot of different factors that I think economists need to take into account when evaluating the housing market and why 4% really did absolutely nothing with regards to reducing buying pressure. I mean, nothing. In fact, it may have actually pushed people to go and make that purchase. It actually increased buying pressure because they know where rates are going. So kind of interesting situation. Now, the people who don't need a mortgage, then none of this actually really matters except for home prices. Home prices matter. And here's the funny thing. So in a situation where inflation is just shy of 8%, you would think that cash would be falling out of favor because anyone holding a large amount of cash, that's an insane thing to do. And yet cash is still king when it comes to the world of real estate. And a lot of people probably are sitting on this pile of cash because they took money out of the stock markets, unsure of what's gonna be happening there and say, hey, let's put it in something safer. Like housing is a good place to go, especially with, what was that report we talked about last week? 8.3% 8.3% year over year appreciation for a decade and then the last two years what 12 13% <laughs> I mean you're looking sure the stock market's been great but not this year and yet homes are keep rising and so hey why not put some of your money there at least for now I think a lot of people are doing that. And it's putting them in a pretty good position, at least according to the latest report from Redfin, which finds that putting in an all-cash offer increases your odds of winning that bid by 334%. (laughs) And that was back in 2021. Now, I'd have to imagine that number is even higher because that's such an attractive thing to see for some of these real estate agents. Uh, Wave financing contingency made an offer 31% more likely to be accepted, and pre-inspection increased a buyer's odds by 25%. Amanda Peterson, a Redfin agent in Texas, said she prepares her clients for the tough competition and advises them to get their finances prepared, saying, quote, we have a detailed conversation about how much over asking price they're willing to go and which contingencies they can waive. If a buyer has a low down payment or another scenario that doesn't typically win a bidding war, I've had success explaining buyers' unique situations to the listing agent and making it clear that their finances are reliable and the deal will close because that's really the most important thing. And it's probably more important than ever right now that real estate agents are preparing their clients for this current environment. Uh, There's gonna be a lot of competition. You're gonna need to be prepared to bid more than listing and you need to have your finances in order. I mean, that's what a good agent is preparing their clients for. And having a respected pre-approval letter is more important than ever. I mean, if you're not going in all cash, because <laughs> then you don't, you don't need to borrow money. But for those that are borrowing money, having a respected pre-approval letter is probably the most important part of your bid. Now, at the end of last week, We talked about the Wall Street Journal had reported on creative ways that buyers are trying to get their offer accepted. We'd heard about this last summer when things were going crazy in the housing market. People were sending love letters and were offering concert tickets and everything else. And I think they mentioned in this Wall Street Journal piece that someone had seen someone's Lego collection when they were touring the house and then they went and got him a Lego millennial Falcon, I think. And so while yes a Lego millennial Falcon is exciting. What sellers really want is one thing when it comes to this transaction and that's assurance the deal's gonna close. And so you don't just want a good offer, you want an offer that they know will close and nothing assures that more than a good pre-approval letter or cold hard cash. (laughs) So if you're telling them, hey, I have this amount of money and I can put it forward, they're gonna love that. But the next best thing is having a respected pre-approval letter. And I think that's why it's more important than ever that mortgage companies can close deals. Because I mean, I've I've heard the horror stories. Now luckily I work for a great company where we we have a great process and we get deals closed. But a lot of them, a lot of people unfortunately don't. (laughs) And the more it happens, the more real estate agents become aware of that. And the more they become aware of that, the more they are unlikely to take a pre-approval letter from that lender. And so that's, the, you know, it's kind of funny because when things are really hot, especially if you're, say, selling, a lot of people would say, oh, and look, look how hot this market is right now. You don't need a real estate agent. You can just put a for sale sign in your front yard and someone everyone's going to be making offers. That's true, but once again, you want to know which offers are real and which ones aren't. I mean, they're all real, but if someone is giving you a letter from a bad lender and the deal is not going to close, it's not a real offer in the grand scheme of things. When all is said and done, it's not gonna be a real offer. And so I think that's why it's so important and that's why you're seeing the value of cash. And like I said, the next best thing to that is a good letter from a respected, lender, someone that the agents know is going to be able to get the deal done. That is more important now than anything. I can guarantee you that. And then, of course, the best thing is is cash. But even at 4%, why would you? I still think it's, I mean, you can make money so many ways. If you can borrow at 4%, why not? Why lock your money in somewhere? And then let's say you need to cash out later. Rates could be higher. They could be 5 so I get the desire to go all cash, but I still think right now rates are still low enough where it makes sense to you know, borrow at least some of the money. So you got some money at your disposal. You never know what's gonna happen. It's always good to have a little bit of cash, even when inflation's 8%, even, even when it's there, okay? You need to have some access to money, all right? You need some liquidity in your life all right we got to go you guys enjoy your tuesday we'll be back here wednesday morning for another edition of markets and mortgages and remember as always do not wait to buy real estate you buy real estate and wait